Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 213 of the Rcast as part of the Believe Podcast Network now. And with me is the Maza to my Mune, Ash Paulson. How's it going there, Ash? <laughs> I like that. That's a good intro, man. I'm good, thanks. How are you doing, man? <laughs> doing all right, doing all right. Uh, so if you didn't catch on to that reference there, uh, we are talking about Chrono Trigger, celebrating the 25th anniversary of Chrono Trigger, which is uh, which has happened this year, basically. But Chrono Trigger is one of those games where you can celebrate it all year round and every year, as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's timeless, and, and pun intended. It really is just... Probably the most timeless game I've ever played. Totally, yeah. And uh, the article which I share with you, which uh, you know, which will be part of like of the show notes here, so you guys can check it out as well. Uh, this is from Forbes. The title for it is "25 Years of Chrono Trigger: The Greatest SNES RPG Ever Made," which I know that you took some reservations to because we should probably take SNES out of there <laughs> and maybe even RPG out of there, just replace it with game. <laughs> in this case. Hey, you know what? I like the way you think. Yeah, no, really, it, it is my favorite game of all time. Uh, you know, I understand uh, some other people might have different opinions about that, but those other people are wrong. So, you know, it's, it's all good. <laughs> so I guess we'll basically, like, you know, start off as far as, like, just, like, our first interactions, I guess, with this game period. Because um, I know for me, anyway, like, I first interacted with Chrono Trigger uh, through going over to, like, my friend's house. And he had it, basically. So his copy of the game was basically the copy that I borrowed, like, all the time since I never actually owned it on, on, you know, on my SNES. Um, so it was just kind of something that we shared in that case. But I just remember playing through it like, I don't know, I want to say like seven to nine times just because I wanted to like, you nice. know, experience like those those moments like in the game. Because there's a lot of like great like emotional moments, a lot of great like funny moments as well. Um, just like really emotionally impactful moments, I guess, um, you know, over and over. But also experience like the endings over and over too. Uh, so I was kind of curious like what that story was for you as well, like the first time that you experienced Chrono Trigger. Well, there's a, a bit of context required here, but actually the, the first JRPG I ever played before I knew what JRPGs were, uh, ironically, was Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, mm. and I hated it. I hated it. I was like, <laughs> what is this? I got I got it as a birthday present for my friend, and of course I felt really bad because he was you know, a really good guy. He wanted to get me something I thought he thought I'd love, and I hated it. I didn't even have any context for what a JRPG was, so I didn't really know what I was doing or playing. So I put it away. Didn't look at it for years. And then in the game magazines at the time, I kept seeing so much good coverage of this game called Final Fantasy III. And I'm like, well, I hated that Mystic Quest game, but everybody says this game is amazing. So maybe I just really need to give it a try. So I did, and I fell in love immediately. Of course I did. It's Final Fantasy VI, right? Mm -hmm. Fell in love. It just completely changed the way I looked at at what a video game could be, Uh, the way it just pulled me in with its story, its soundtrack. Um, and it just, it was, it blew me away. And then, so of course, from then on, I was a fan of this crazy company called Squaresoft that I had never even paid attention to before. Uh, and then I started hearing rumblings of their next game called Chrono Trigger. And I'm like, well, 
there's no way it's going to be as good as Final Fantasy III, but <laughs> I got to play it because it's, you know, it's a Squaresoft. I got to just try everything they make. And so I just, uh, I asked for it for my birthday that year, sight unseen. And I was 11, or I think turning 12, actually. It's turning 11 or 12, so I was the perfect age. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I asked for it for my birthday that year. Uh, fortunately, I was lucky, and I received it. And I still remember pretty clearly the, the first night I played it. And it just pulled me in in a way that even Final Fantasy VI didn't. And, I mean, I loved FF6, and I still do, but Chrono Trigger is its own singular, incredibly special experience. And just it, nothing I've played since has quite made me feel the same way. There have been some games that have come close, like Okami is one that has come you know, pretty close in terms of how it's just completely pulled me into its world, and I just could not put it down. But Chrono Trigger, all these years later, is just... Uh, it's just so special to me, and I remember the first night I played it, and uh, I think I got to about, I think I got to 600 AD, like right after you stepped through the telepod. Mm. Um, Say Marley, in, yeah. in pursuit of yeah, in, in pursuit of Marley, and I just I couldn't put it down, and I was just I was absolutely uh, enthralled by the character designs, the world, the music. Just everything, and so that was my first uh, first experience with Chrono Trigger. On the side, or a little side bit, I did eventually, with the proper context, I did actually go back to Mystic Quest later and appreciated it for what it was. It has a banging soundtrack, and I actually appreciate what it is in the context of knowing where it rests mm. in you know the overall uh, context of JRPGs. Well, speaking of soundtracks, though, I mean, like Chrono Trigger especially is known for its soundtrack. I mean, like for me, I mean, like, you know, a big reason why Chrono Trigger for me also is, you know, being being like the greatest game of all time for me uh, is the fact that like its soundtrack is probably like my favorite soundtrack in anything, like whether it be games or movies or anything else. Same. Um, it, it is just like such so so incredible, and like it really shows the type of like quality of work uh, that was behind the composer Yasunori Matsuda. Um, you know, considering the fact also that he lost a lot of his work originally right. for for the for the soundtrack. Um, you know, I, I like I, I think you're more like educated, uh, you know, on, on like that story than I am. So if you don't mind, just kind of talking about that, actually. Well, it's been a while since I've since I've you know researched it or read about it, but as I understand it, if I remember correctly, he experienced a hard drive crash, and and so he lost a lot of the work he'd already done. And I think at, uh, at the same time, he was already working himself so hard that he was making himself sick. Mm. So they actually brought in Nobuo Uematsu, the Final Fantasy composer, up through 10, uh, to come and kind of assist uh, assist him in getting things back on track because, you know, he, got, he had that hard drive crash. So uh, Nobuo Uematsu is also credited uh, in the soundtrack. And I think it's a fairly common misconception that he did either as much as or even more of the work on the soundtrack than Mitsuda did and, and did, and that is not true at all. The soundtrack is ostensibly Mitsuda's, but Uematsu was brought in to help with some key songs. And so they definitely did collaborate, but this is very much Mitsuda's work. And, uh, it, I mean, it, his talent speaks for, for himself. In fact, I think before he did Chrono Trigger, I think he had kind of almost made up his mind to leave Square and threatened to leave because I think he was he had kind that, of been yeah. sidelined as an audio engineer or something and he wasn't happy with what he was doing and he joined Square because he wanted to make music and they weren't letting him do that and he was ready to walk. Yeah. And they they finally gave him a chance with Chrono Trigger and man, good thing they did because what a talent, right? I mean, yeah. I agree with you. you know, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross collectively, I would say make up my favorite 
you know, set of soundtracks or just even trigger alone soundtrack from anything ever. Like you said, mm-hmm. games, movies, television, doesn't matter. And uh, to this day, I can't my, – my favorite song, number one song period of all time is Too Far Away Times, the, mm. the ending credits theme. I was going to ask you about that to actually, this, like favorite yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. To the, it's my favorite song from Chrono Trigger and my favorite song ever. And to this day, I cannot listen to it without getting teary-eyed. <laughs> a beautiful melody and i actually played a uh like a really nice electronic synth remix of it uh at my wedding mm. i mean i was gonna say that like some of the music in chrono trigger would fit very well in like a wedding soundtrack honestly like to come down to the aisle and like i don't know have like frog steam play or something like that you know? exactly yeah yeah or you'd have like a you could have like a medieval style wedding and play the millennial fair theme yeah yeah you, know, you could there's so much you could do with it but yeah it is just it's such a beautiful song and you know, I, I remember the first time I finished the game and heard that song. I just, that was one of those games that you just did not want to end. I didn't want to leave those characters. I didn't want to leave that world. Mm-hmm. And especially with with the stuff that, you know, all the provocative story stuff that happens in the second part of the game, it felt like there was so much more to explore and, and just so much deeper to dig into the lore. And Chrono Cross ultimately would do that. But that was just one of those games where you just never, ever wanted it to end. Yeah. And like, you know, as far as like with like the story, I mean, like there's a lot of like, I don't know, like story beats. I think a lot of people miss out on because a lot of them are kind of buried in Radical Dreams uh, or Radical Dreamers, I believe it's called. Um, Yeah. Which is the um, it's basically kind of like a visual novel, basically, that was on the Satellaview, I remember. And so it just had like such a limited release, like even over in Japan. So. Um, a lot of people only really experienced it, I feel like, you know, at least like the diehard fans uh, through like ROM hacks and things like that. So, um, you know, with that, uh, I believe there was like, you know, at least kind of getting into like the story a bit. Um, it basically is like after the events of Chrono Trigger, Chrono and Marley are like married and Chrono is basically kind of part of like the royal family now at that point. But then there's like a war that essentially breaks out. I believe with with poor or poor a or however you say yeah poor yeah that's right yeah like it's like the kingdom of poor and led by uh what's like the name of the guy who basically steals your um your airship the most punchable guy in the game dalton dalton that's it yeah he's so punchable (laughs) man i hate that guy yeah he's a great villain honestly and like he's a great villain honestly to have come back in a big way and like all of a sudden like you know he just comes in as like this force that you know, I, I you know, I guess for for lack of, of like a better term, like um, you know, that Chrono kind of like uh, doesn't take seriously, really. Um, you know, as far as like what kind of threat that he could be. I mean, like I guess it doesn't take seriously in the sense that of like the bigger sense of things, as far as like within like the time period, because obviously, like you know, Dalton has like his own powers, and he seems to be able to kind of harness what like uh, what Queen Zeal was able to do as well. So he's very familiar with all that. So it's pretty safe to say, I guess, that a lot of the people like o- you know over at the Kingdom of Zeal, at least you know at least the higher ups anyway, uh, have like enough power in order to basically copy what Magus ultimately did. Right. And I will say that was the one part of, of the of the setup for Chrono Cross that I had a hard time 
suspending my disbelief for. Like, you know, obviously this is already a time travel story. There's, you know, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But given given what we see happen in Chrono Trigger and, and the kind of the bumbling villain that Dalton turns out to be, I, I had a hard time for, for a long time really justifying that in my own mind. Like, how could Dalton really have risen to such power? <laughs> and to the point that, you know, Chrono with his, you know, rainbow rainbow sword and, and prism helm and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Luminaire and all these, you know, Cyclone and, and, and the whole cast. I mean, Marley Luca, how could he actually have risen to the occasion and and conquered Guardia? That that was always very hard for me to swallow. I mean, is Dalton more like bumbling or is he more just overconfident, you think? I guess maybe he's overconfident because he, he does he does have some difficult boss fights for sure. Um, you know, with the, with the Gollum twins and stuff. So he he is a force to be reckoned with. It was just hard for me to to believe at first that you know Chrono and the entire Guardia army would have been overtaken, but not only by Dalton, but also Poor. Because at least you know when you're playing Chrono Trigger, you you don't really ever see Poor as this kingdom. You see it as kind of a town, really, right? It's it's not really ever shown to be this massive kingdom like Guardia is. So that was a bit contrived for me but then thankfully the ds version of chrono trigger came out and kind of you know helped explain and and give some context for why and how dalton accomplished what he did and it it made it a little uh easier to justify i think so when i talked to um to andre actually of andre of game explain as well um you know because he um he he like asked me about like you know you know about this episode and so I basically told him that uh, yeah, so we're gonna be talking about like Chrono Trigger with Ash and all that stuff, and and he and he asked me like which version um, that I think is the definitive version. I said, oh, well, obviously like the DS version in this case because it has like the extra content and all that stuff uh, has like the tie into you know to uh, to like Chrono Cross. But like his argument against that was, well, they changed the way that Frog speaks, right? And yeah, that is kind of like a sticking point for me because I do like the Anglo-Saxon kind of like um, uh, kind of accent really that Frog has in the original SNES version. Yeah, I agree. He's mentioned that to me as well, and I do agree with him on that point. Uh, it is certainly a point against the DS and Steam versions that Frog no longer has that accent. Um, however, I think, you know, what you're gaining, you know, in return for that more than eclipses the loss of Frog's accent. I mean, yes, he does lose a little personality there, but in, in exchange for that, you're getting a, a, a whole script retranslation that, that he was much more closely to the original Japanese script than the Ted Woolsey version ever did for the SNES version. And, and you know, on top of that, you're getting a ton of extra content. You're getting the gallery, all the anime cutscenes. You know, you, you got the you know, the endings that get recorded as you, as you discover them. The extra them. boss as well. The extra boss you get, you know, for what it's worth, you also get the monster arena, which I don't think is great, but you do get it. And you also get that extra dungeon, which make use uh, of those two cut tracks that you can hear on the soundtrack that were cut from the Super Nintendo version, but they reinserted them for this extra content to the DS version. So I think everything you're you're getting more than makes up for the loss of Frog's accent. I do think Andre puts a little too much emphasis on that. As much as I love Frog and I do <laughs> love his accent in the SNES version, um I don't think you can you can equate that with everything you're getting in return for the DS and I should say and the Steam versions now. The Steam version turned started off as a joke. But then Square Enix actually listened to the community and patched it like five times. And now I think it's considered to be the best version of the game alongside the DS version. So, and if anything, it might be the best because it's more accessible being on Steam. So, um, yeah, you know, I think there are arguments to be made for the SNES version, um, you know, especially where, you know, the Frog's accent is concerned. But 
everything you get in, in the DS and Steam versions, especially the extra story content with the new final boss and ending that ties directly to Chrono Cross. I mean, I don't think you can beat that, especially if you've played Chrono Cross and you're wondering how that character got to where they are <laughs> when you see them. Seeing seeing that character look the way they do in the new ending of Chrono Trigger, the new final boss, is right. such an awesome fan moment, you know? Yeah, it totally is. And um, yeah, it, it is like a good tie-in to Chrono Cross. And, you know, obviously you have like some people who are like, you know, more in the Chrono Trigger camp like me and like certainly more in the Chrono Cross camp as well. Um, you know, because like the two games you know, otherwise feel very disjointed from each other. And it, it is kind of a shame, really, because, like, those characters are really so beloved. And, um, you know, we mentioned with, like, Frog before, and Frog's personally my favorite character in Chrono Trigger. You know, I think just because of the uh, almost, like, self-torment, really, he kind of puts himself through as far as, oh, like, yeah. the responsibility, like, this huge, you know, this huge responsibility he places on himself, and he feels like such a failure for not being able to live up to his own ideals. And it's so relatable in a lot of ways as far as, like, what you think that you're capable of and knowing that you fell short in it and figuring yeah. out whether or not you can actually move forward knowing that mistake was made or knowing that you did fall short. Um, so I was kind of curious, like, for you as far as, like, what was, like, you know, like, like, who is your favorite character in Chrono Trigger and, like, how do you think that they may, like, relate to you in any sort of way? Well, it's interesting you say self-torment because that's that's a, you know, for, for a game that on the surface seems so happy and colorful and bright and it's you know self-torment is a is a theme that you see in in several of the characters in chrono trigger and my favorite character in the game is luca personally mm. and you see that you see that theme of self-torment with her as well because of what happens to her mom right and the way that luca you know is, is ever since Ma, uh, luca's mom had her accident in in taban's machine where she loses her legs and she's you know basically bound to a wheelchair or a chair for the, for, for the rest of her life. Not even a wheelchair, a chair. Um, you know, she she blames herself for that. She she beats herself up, and, and she never could let go of that. And, you know, to the point where I think you really see that really manifest in the, in the uh, Fiona's Forest side quest where, you know, that, that red time gate opens and Luca gets to go back and try to change things because... Not only if not only do you feel horrible if you don't, and Luca never really seems to move past that moment if you do fail. Even if you even if you change the way things went, just the the I, I, it always stayed with me how creepy the sound effects were. Whenever there's a red gate and and thing something is, it, it, you get the sense that something is happening that shouldn't be happening, but it's happening anyway. And those really it's creepy ominous. sound effects yeah. and very ominous, and it's very creepy and dark and. You know, I think that kind of gives you a, some insight into just how much of a demon this has been for her, and just how dark a part of her life this has been. And so, I always, I always really love that about her character. And uh, and then, of course, you also see that in Magus. Magus also subjects himself to <laughs> a ton of self torment because of you know what he perceives as his failure to protect Scala. So, yeah, there, there, it's definitely an interesting uh, theme that you that you see you know, kind of manifest throughout the game. And it's just, it, it was so ahead of its time in so many ways. Yeah. And um, it's really like those moments, honestly, that I feel like have like the the most impact, I want to say, in Chrono Trigger, like just like the side quest stuff. And like you get like yeah. more, I don't know, more flavor to like what these characters are and like what they're all about and what their motivations are and all this stuff. 
when you go to even say like 600 AD to like um, to like basically Ozzy's castle uh, or mm-hmm. Ozzy's fort, I, I believe I believe it's actually called. Yeah. Um, and Ozzy is like another like character who I absolutely love. Like at least for, you know at least for like side characters because he's he's meant to be like this joke, but he's still kind of like meant to be taken somewhat seriously in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but like the sense of betrayal he feels like you know especially if you have Magus in your party when you're going through Ozzy's fort. It does kind of leave itself like wondering as far as like what ultimately is the general theme, I guess, of the game as far as like, you know, the use of time travel and how the characters use it. Yeah, I mean, that's there There are so many, I think there's so many answers you could go with there. I mean, there are multiple themes woven throughout Chrono Trigger, and I think it's hard to touch on just one. And I, I agree with you that, that the character-specific side quests are some of the strongest parts of the game. As you said, Ozzy's fort. I mean, you know, in most other games, Ozzy would, would have just been a villain played for laughs, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, when you when you do that side quest, especially with Magus in your party, you see that, you know, he, he harbors a real grudge and real hate against Magus for, you know, what he perceives as a betrayal to, you know, the, the race of monsters. And it's it's not hard to see why he feels that way. And, you know, you also see this, uh, you know, kind of reflected in the, uh, the Toma, the, the, when, you, when you visit the ruins of what used to be the Tyranno Castle, and you, and you oh, right. see what became of, of you know, the, the ruins and the Black Tyranno and Azala's legacy and... Being buried underground and all that, yeah. Exactly. Everything is just so, the world feels alive and lived in and, and properly contextual to itself. And that's not something you find in a lot of games, I think. And Especially in the 16-bit era as well. Exactly. Yeah, JRPGs or otherwise, you don't really find a lot of games whose stories and worlds are so consistent with themselves and that they really do feel like it's all it all comes together as one cohesive whole. And I think that extends to 65 million BC, which I, I remember when I first played it, I was thinking that was the era I was least excited to explore. I was like, oh, it's prehistory. We've seen this in games before. You know, cool, cool. But then it ends up being, unexpectedly, one of the most arresting parts of the story. Like, the first time you, you go to 65 million BC, it's kind of what you expect. It's some, you know, some prehistory shenanigans, and you, you meet Ayla, you learn about Kino, and his, you know, his crush on her, his jealousy toward Chrono. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a fun little misadventure. But then you go back, and you gotta, you know, you really gotta take the fight to Azala, and you don't expect that when you're fighting, you know, the Black Tyranno, that this is not only the crescendo of the fight of of the struggle between humans and reptites uh you you know you don't realize at the time that that's what you're you know enacting but also you find out that lavos falls to the earth during that you know right after that final battle between them which of course you don't know that at at the time in terms of the effects that would have but ultimately chrono cross makes it very clear that that is that is that happening in tandem with the humans being victorious over the reptites is what caused evolution to go the course that it did which is kind of crazy too like to think about because azala saw lavos falling to the earth happening like azala knew that that was going to happen so i mean obviously like with like the reptites and especially with um with like azala anyway uh azala kind of felt like this almost like higher life form in a sense like the higher reptite um you know even more than like you know like you know any of the human tribes like during 65 million bc right so it, it, you know honestly like, i would love to see more of like a side story of like azala and how azala came to power and like just came to be really like i would just love to see that particular like you know character explored honestly you know same i mean there there's so many side stories they could do and so much more to probe about this universe you know i still i want to see everything that happened from the end of chrono trigger with luca like everything that happened from the end of chrono trigger to her 
adopting uh, kid to the orphanage to like I mm. want to see everything that that led up to the orphanage burning and then Luca yeah. may or may you know maybe or maybe not being killed. We don't. It's kind of left ambiguous but i mean is that what what um what the chrono crush was like meant to be i believe i believe that's what like the third game was like supposed to be right oh chrono break or chrono break i mean yeah i don't know if they ever said did they did they ever really confirm what the scenario was actually going to be for chrono break because i don't remember i mean i I don't know if if the scenario was like made like official as far as like what you know what it was going to be but i i was kind of getting like some hints as far as what it was going to be when um that that creator of owlboy kind of came out with a fake trailer for chrono break and it just looked incredible and just like left like so many things on the table as far as like what was actually happening and what the story was about and it seemed to be anyway uh to have you know have like an older luca maybe before kid was born and maybe just after kid was born and just kind of getting into like basically that that in between story that you were talking about. I actually don't know if I've seen that uh, if I've seen that trailer. I need to go check that out as soon as we're done. I'm gonna have um, to share that with you. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I, I think I always just assumed from the, from the title Chrono Break that that maybe it was going to kind of shed more light on the time crash that we hear so much about in Chrono mm, Cross, right? And and maybe how that affected everything and and. Uh, Chrono Cross really doubles down on something I really love about Chrono Trigger. I know that some people feel like Chrono, Chrono Cross is too dark and grimdark for its own good, and I can see I can see that angle. But I think what a lot of people tend to gloss over and and not realize is that Chrono Trigger, get, Trigger gets pretty grimdark too. It's just a little more, it's less overt and a little more subtle about it. But I think I've mentioned this to you before when we talked about this game. Is that like I think my favorite thing about this game. Uh, amid all the other things I just adore about this game, is the fact that it is what you want it to be. You you can meet it where it meets you where you want to meet it, right? So mm-hmm. you can just take it as a fun, you know, time traveling romp with a fun of colorful, cool characters, lighthearted. It's fun, and it can be that, and you can have a great time, and it can be just that, and you're going to get a lot out of it. But if you want to read between the lines, and if you want to dig into the lore, especially with everything from antiquity on, when you get into the you know Zeal Kingdom and Queen Zeal and the Mammon Machine and you know the Earthbound ones and what happens to Chrono as well, yeah. <laughs> what happens to Chrono? Like if you if you really want to dig into the lore, it's a it's a dark story. Like it's it gets pretty messed up, especially with what especially happens with the Queen to Scala. Zeal stuff. Yeah. yeah, Queen Zeal stuff and Scala and how things ultimately end up for her and Magus. And I think what I love is that Chrono Cross takes that kind of more subtly dark aspect of Chrono Trigger and really doubles down on it and explores it, you know, and, and the, uh, there's no, there's no moment more emblematic of that in Chrono Cross than the Miguel, the Miguel scene. And and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but when Miguel completely recontextualizes the actions that Chrono and his friends took in, in trying to rewrite history to, in defeating Lavos, the dark side of, of, of what that implies. It's, it's Um, really good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like which moment you're talking about because like when you say Miguel, it's not like clicking with me as far as which. So Miguel is is the surprisingly hard boss in, in, a, in a game full of easy bosses. Miguel is the surprisingly hard boss you fight at the end of the Dead Sea, and it's the first time you see the ghosts of Chrono, Marley, and Luca. Oh, and oh yeah, okay. that yeah. scene where basically you find out the dark side of, of what Chrono and his friends did in mm-hmm. trying to you know change the course of time and defeat Lavos. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would totally love to see that explored more for sure. And like, you know, I, I guess like have that be more than just like 
you know, not really like a throwaway cutscene, but just kind of like a small bit of like what is a larger game that ultimately doesn't have anything to do with the characters before it, you know? Right. That's that's what's so weird about Chrono Cross is that it's, I think the worst thing about it is it's, is it's pacing because, you know, it takes a good 25 hours to get to the the real meat of, of how it connects to Chrono Trigger. But once you get there, the Chrono Trigger references and connections and, you know, continu- story continuations come fast and hard and they don't stop until the very end. I guess for me, I mean, like, why Chrono Trigger really kind of, like, holds my attention more than Chrono Cross is, you know, like, the fact that you don't get to, like, that point, I guess, until, like, the 25-hour yeah, mark. it's so and, true. And, like, with Chrono Trigger, like, the whole experience is basically, like, a 20 to 25-hour game, basically. Um, and right. it's so perfectly well-paced, too. Like, that's that's kind of, like, another thing, really, is, is, like, the fact that Chrono Trigger is so well-paced, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, the fact that you don't have to grind either, like which is right, you know, surprisingly rare, really, in a lot of RPGs, especially at that time. The fact that you don't have to grind in order to get to a level, in order to actually properly beat the boss that you're supposed to play next, it kind of shares some similarities in that regard, anyway, to the Persona series for me as well. Like the fact that you don't sure. have to grind, you can if you want to, if you want to be like super uber powerful, you want to get all your techniques and you know go through like the double techniques and triple techniques and unlock all those, which that is also a whole other conversation, by the way. Um, yeah, that's for sure. You, you know, I mean, like just like the fact that you don't have to grind in Chrono Trigger uh, is just like amazing and just allows you to it, it just gives you more room I guess to um, soak in and experience basically the world and the characters that you're experiencing um, so getting into like the techniques then especially with like the double triple techniques and just like the combat in general uh, is it uh, you know as amazing to you as, as it is to me that no other game has really been able to properly copy this style and do it well it is. I mean, even even games that specifically go out of their way to try and copy what Chrono Trigger did with its battle system have come up short. Like I Am Setsuna, for example, that that game wore its Chrono Trigger expo- uh, inspirations on its sleeve and went right out and tried to be Chrono Trigger in terms of its gameplay and presentation. And it, it maybe it made it halfway there. I hesitate to even say halfway, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> it just they, it didn't it didn't it didn't get there. And I can't think of a game. I think the game that I played that has that has come closest actually is an indie game called Cosmic Star Heroine. And even mm. that doesn't quite get there. No, I mean like the problem that I have anyway with Cosmic Star Heroine really is just like I don't like it's hard for me to really care about those characters in the world. I guess yeah. And, yeah, they they all feel like they all feel like people you could meet in like Silver Lake or some other hipster town. Yeah, getting getting you know art, art artisanal coffee and and you know avocado toast. Right? They're just it's a little bit too, yeah, of its era, I guess. Or like that Y two K game or whatever. Like that game is also super exactly. hipster, and yeah, I, I can't really stand that stuff. But I mean, same, same. Um, it, it just kind of feels, I guess, like too uh, try hardy, I guess, in that sense. And you know, instead of like actually kind of like telling its own story and wearing its inspirations, um, you know, like 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 wearing its inspirations on its sleeve, but also like really kind of going with like its own story and really kind of fleshing out who these characters are that aren't just carbon copies of you know other characters who you've seen before or other characters who you know, you may not have cared before, you know, before in this case. So, you know, right. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, just like with Chrono Trigger with like the, even just like the sheer depth of like techniques in it, because, you know, obviously there's like magic as there is in like any other kind of like square, um, square RPG of the time, but the techniques kind of like go, you know, go beyond that. Like obviously, you know, there's, there, you know, there's Chrono with the lightning magic, uh, but he also has like, you know, techniques to make use of a sword, like the cyclone and slash and all that stuff. Um, you know, and like, you know, especially with like Magus also, like the fact that he uses like dark magic, but he could still use like, you know, lightning two, ice two, fire two, you know, so. Right. Um, it, it's just like the, you know, the sheer breadth of the abilities and the fact that you really do care about all the characters because of how well that they're fleshed out and like just like the weird like kind of quirks and uh, eccentricities that they hold. Um, you know, especially with Luca, you know, because you mentioned that Luca is your favorite character, and um, yeah, Lu- Luca's probably like my second favorite character, honestly, behind Frog. Um, I love that dynamic, uh, you know, between the two. By the way, as far as like Luca, oh, like yeah. not not trusting Frog is like I don't know, frogs are kind of disgusting. I don't know if I could trust you, you know. Yeah, that charm kind of like you know comes through in that case, but with Luca, like her eccentricities, as far as like being like this like you know girl genius, but you know also like having like this. Um, you know, this not like really cocky, but like very confident in her abilities, and like you know, she has, she's she's ripe to be like you know to be confident in her abilities as well, like you know, with what she's been able to accomplish throughout the game. Um, but like just like the fact that she is kind of like that quirky, like you know, tech genius type, and you know, using guns and like being able to fix Robo at like a moment's notice and all that stuff. It's it's uh, it, it, she just makes like a really really cool character, and also like a very um, a very like unique design as well, considering the fact that. All the designs are made by Akira Toriyama, the person who made like uh, who made the Dragon Ball series. So right, she, I mean, she's essentially the Chrono Trigger version of Bulma, except less sexualized. Which you know, for not even just for that for that era, but for even now, having a non sexualized you know genius science scientist female character is pretty unique, you know, in that mm-hmm. sense. And um, and, and you also you know, at first it seems like the, she's a one note character. Like I think at first a lot of Chrono Trigger's characters seem like they're a bit one note until you dig in and learn a little bit more about their story and exactly what makes them tick. And you know, you eventually learn that all of Lucas' bluster and confidence and bravado really is a cover for the fact that she's never been able to forgive herself for you know the accident that happened with her mom. And you find out that that, that even is what drove her to to become a scientist and and become you know, get into machines in the first place. She never right. wanted to let something like that happen again, and so she you know she kind of she this is a, this is a cover she uses to hide the fact that she's still really hurting and really beating herself up over what happened the dynamic like between her and robo as well i mean because like robo like for her is almost kind of like a son and that's that's actually also too um brought to life a little bit in that um in that chrono break trailer uh, the one that i have to show you which i'll definitely link into like the show notes here since we do talk about quite a bit here um but like the fact that she has like robo basically like on her backpack in that fake trailer um, it's just like, okay, like this is basically like my son and like kid is basically like her real life daughter in that sense. And she's kind of like making like her own little family in that sense. Um, but like the point I want to make earlier, uh, was the fact that she is very much comfortable, I guess, being in that friend role. And as you mentioned, right. like not being like overly sexualized and not being like just, you know, cause like they could have very easily did like a love triangle between like her, Marley and Chrono. Easily. You know, um, but they, they decided not to do that. And Luca is, is very much comfortable being in that friend spot. And she's just very like devoted to her abilities as like a tech genius and where a lot of her emotions kind of like get directed towards as opposed to, you know, having any sort of like romantic feelings for anyone in the party. Right. No, I really love that too. And and I guess if you really, really look, you could see some very, very vague hints that maybe she at one point had kind of a, a childhood crush on Chrono, but you, you very quickly learned that she 
either has A, moved past that, or B, really just that is so much less important to her compared to her work and to, you know, what she's doing. Uh, and that, you know, when she sees that, that Chrono and Marley are obviously infatuated with one, with one another and, and clearly really like each other, she cheers them on. She, she, it's not, as, it, as you said, it's not a love triangle thing. Uh, it's, it's not a harem type situation where every, every, you know, female character loves the, the male main character. It's nothing like that. And, you know, in that sense, Chrono Trigger was ahead of its time, even in that sense. Um, so it's, it's really incredibly refreshing, uh, to see kind of Luca in that role and they, they, and them not fall for that kind of typical love triangle setup. And um, another character, too, with Magus as well. So Magus is a very interesting character because he does start off as being, like, the straight-up villain, pretty much. Right. Um, but then he kind of turns into, I guess, like, more of, like, an anti-hero, really. Right, um, yeah, he does. You know, so I, I was, I was kind of curious, like, from your standpoint, I guess, like, in the, I guess, like, breadth of, like, Square Games or Square Enix games, where do you think that Magus falls in terms of, like, villainous characters? I mean, he's certainly one of my one of my favorites in terms of, of kind of the you know, how the rug is pulled out from under you where, you know, for, for the first, I want to say almost half of the game, maybe slightly under half of the game, it's, he, he is built up to be the big bad. He's the one who summoned Lavos. He's, he's the dark wizard. He's the one who's controlling all the monsters. And then, you, I, you know, I, I, at least at the time, it's hard to say now, but it would be having, you know, knowing the story inside out. But I think at the time, I had no idea that A, he would turn out not to be the ultimate villain, and, and he didn't summon Lavos, and B, that he would ultimately, you know, can join your party and become kind of an anti-hero. So I think he's absolutely one of the more interesting, uh, you know, villainous-type characters in, you know, in Square Enix's library of RPGs. Um, he kind of almost reminds me a bit of... It, it's not exactly the same because this other character remains a villain, but he's also very, very relatable, and I would say that's Caius from Final Fantasy XIII too. He's, you know, Caius is, he's a really good villain because he's actually one of the very few who succeeds at what he sets out to do, um, but it's also, you almost can't blame him because of everything he's been through and kind of, you know, the way he's been broken, that which has caused him to turn into what he has. And, you know, when you when you get that context for what Magus went through in 12,000 BC as as Janus, um, you know, it, it, you feel bad for him. It's it's hard not to kind of, you know, be in his corner and be like, okay, you know, I get I get why you're so upset. I yeah. get why you're angry. I mean, that's what makes for like the best villains, really, is when you understand their motive and like why yeah. you know like why it is that they're doing what they're doing, even if you don't agree with like their actions or what they're ultimately trying to do you understand how they got to that point and you can kind of see yourself like, you know, if things kind of like went that way that you could ultimately see yourself going down that same path. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, really the, the true villain in the game, I would say other than Lavos, I would say ultimately becomes Queen Zeal. And, and you, you see such a stark contrast between Queen Zeal and, and Magus in the sense that, you know, against the backdrop of Queen Zeal, Magus doesn't really seem all that villainous at all. You <laughs> no, know, he's he's definitely has an agenda and he'll cut down anyone he needs to in his way to achieve it, but he's not he's not out to rule the the universe. He's not out to enslave people. Yeah, he's like not power, evil basically. for evil's sake. Yeah, he's all the only power he wants is, is what he needs to destroy Lavos for revenge. He's not trying to enslave the world the way Queen Zeal was. So when when you see you know, when you compare the two and you see Magus in the context of a much greater threat like Queen Zeal, you realize he never really was a villain so much as someone who's just, you know, willing to, to be as ruthless as he needs to to exact the revenge that he wants. 
Queen Zeal is kind of like the Emperor Palpatine to Magus's yeah. Darth Vader in a sense. Because exactly. Darth Vader does eventually turn good before he ultimately dies. Um, right. You know, so uh, you can imagine that if like Vader did survive, that like he would have gone down the same path as Magus if you let Magus survive. <laughs> Ultimately, and like this is where we're gonna like you know try to like finish it off here. But like you know, as far as like what Square Enix is doing with the franchise, or really what they're not doing, it's <laughs> like what what are they doing at all? Nothing. Nothing. Aside from like the Steam port that you know was was bashed to high heaven online, and you know it just seemed to be like very I don't know, just very lackadaisical and like what they're doing with the franchise. I mean, I still remember. I want to say it might have been like E3 2015, possibly. Uh, Square Enix had like some sort of like showcase video, and they were playing Frog's theme during yeah. the showcase video. And I'm like, don't do this to me. Like, are you are you going to show something that's Chrono Trigger related or not? Because that is a massive, massive tease, and it got a lot of people talking. And ultimately, it didn't lead into anything. But um, Square Square has to realize, or Square Enix has to realize that. You know, they have this massive franchise under their boot that they're just not allowing to breathe. And so many people would be so happy to see a continuation of that story in some fashion, especially with those original characters of Chrono Trigger. Um, I'm curious from your take, like if you were, say, you know, CEO of Square Enix, you call the shots and all that stuff. What is the very first thing you would do with the Chrono Trigger or with the Chrono franchise, I should say? Oh man, that's tough. I mean, I think I think the first thing I would do probably is reintroduce it, you know, for the current generation, much like they did with the DS version for, you know, that generation, which is, you know, I would get the game onto Switch stat as soon as possible. I can't believe we're three years into the Switch's life cycle, three and a half years, and Chrono Trigger is not on Switch. And I do fully expect them to just basically do eventually a quick and port a quick and dirty porting job uh, like they did with 789 ff789 and probably sell chrono trigger standalone on the switch eShop for 24.99 i you know that's just what that's kind of the way square rolls you know if i don't i would probably end up reviewing it but if i didn't for whatever reason i would buy it of course i'd seen uh but yeah the first thing i would do is kind of just you know reintroduce it for this generation of players and just kind of get it back into the general conversation the gaming conversation um, and then, and probably Chrono Cross as well. I don't know exactly how that would go, but I would want to try and get that kind of re-released as well. But I mean, maybe like a bundle or something and have like Trigger Cross together. Yeah, but I think I would, I would want to do some sort of Chrono, you know, resurgence where Trigger and Cross are, are available readily to play by today's audiences. And then, um, I don't know if I, if I go for a remake or if I, if I go for a third game, but I think, you know, at this, at this point, I think once you get, once you kind of remind not only the people who've already played it, but, you know, new players that, Hey, we have this amazing series that we haven't done much with and check the, check these games out. Once you get people back into them, I think people are still really hungry for that third game that we don't probably think is ever going to come at this point, but I still think people would be over the moon excited. 
for for either Chrono Break or whatever that third game could end up being. But at the same time, though, maybe it's maybe porting it isn't the best uh, the the best decision. I mean, we have recently seen that the Mana team has has gotten their act together. Uh, after the Secret of Mana remake with Trials of Mana, because, you know, the Secret of Mana remake was incredibly poor. It was so disappointing. But then Trials (laughs) of Mana was a completely different story. They turned that around, got their act together, and that is a really, really faithful remake of the original game updated for today's technology, you know, translating that 2D world into 3D while not changing a thing about the story, the characters, the, the, the way the game plays out. So I got to say, I would really like to see uh, maybe Chrono Trigger remade for a new generation uh, in that style. I I think it could work in 3D, I have to say. So maybe like something like the fan project that they ultimately shut down, right? Yeah, I mean, and actually I I ended up watching an entire playthrough of Chrono Trigger Crimson Echoes, which is what I think you're talking about. No, no, I mean, Crimson Echoes is basically the, um, it's basically kind of like a fan version. Oh, you mean you're talking about the Chrono Trigger 3D thing? The 3D remake project, yeah. Yeah, something like that, except, except, you know, obviously, you know, more polished. But I actually just got done not too long ago playing Dragon Quest XI-S, and the whole time I was playing it, I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, all the comparisons you can draw between that game and Chrono Trigger, not just in terms of its thematic, you know, the story elements and time travel and such, uh, but the character designs. It's, it's of course, Akira Toriyama, and I was, you know, as you play through that game and you're looking at the battles, I'm like, this could be Chrono Trigger right here. <laughs> this this is exactly what I imagine a 3D reimagining current generation uh, remake of Chrono Trigger to look like. That's what the characters would look like to me. And so yeah. the tech is there. The style is there. I just think the the drive and the interest needs to be there. And unfortunately, as much as I love Square Enix, and I, and I am a fan, you know, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm not one of those Squaresoft fans who think Square Enix has fallen off ever, you know, in the modern age. No, I like Squaresoft and Square Enix for different reasons. And I really like a lot of modern Square stuff. But unfortunately, they are a very mercurial safe conservative developer and they they really prefer to double down on what they know sells rather than take any risks and that's why you see them so so predominantly focused on final fantasy and kingdom hearts because that's yeah what's safe and i love both those series but i do wish they were they were a little less mercurial and were willing to throw a bone to fans of their other franchises once in a while and they have done that recently with mana as we mentioned mm-hmm. but there's so there's such a such a demand for for anything in the chrono space and they have this incredible franchise that they're just not doing anything with and it's just it's really unfortunate i mean with like the with uh with like the mana series you know they they didn't just go with like you know having like remakes of like the secret of mana and trials of mana but they also brought trials of mana for the first time to the united states and you know exactly it's just just incredible like the fact that they you know that they actually went through the work of having that officially you know translated to english Uh, a lot of people just did not see that happening at all uh there's also a lot of like rumors going around that they're bringing uh, that they're bringing live a live uh, to, to right. North American audiences for the first time, uh, which is incredible. It's like, okay, you're looking at these like really cool, like all, you know, old school RPGs. What about the Chrono franchise? I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah. Why can't I mean, they do that with Radical Dreamers? Why not re-release Chrono Trigger for Switch and mm-hmm. throw in a bonus translation of Radical Dreamers? That's like, what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was in that seat, you know, with like the hypothetical that I brought to you as far as being the CEO and everything, 
I mean, I would certainly have like a Chrono franchise bundle of some sort, like have Chrono Trigger, have like the definitive version of, of Chrono Trigger with like the DS stuff and you know and, and like everything, and like you know bring back the Anglo-Saxon Frog as well, um, right? You know, have like that be like the definitive version of Chrono Trigger, uh, along with a translated version of Radical Dreamers that's like you know playable right there on Switch, as well as Chrono Cross, like you know add Chrono Cross in there. Gauge what the you know what the audiences say about that, and you know see if there is still that interest, like you know because obviously you got to show it to shareholders and all that stuff gauge that interest for the chrono series that way people will love you for it if you do it well not like i did with the steam version um and then have that eventually lead to a chrono break or a chrono trigger remake or whatever it may be just bring back this franchise and show that you still care about this franchise because they 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 are showing love nowadays i mean it's kind of like with capcom as well capcom is kind of going back to showing that love for like old franchises with like rival schools for for example adding akira and street fighter 5 like i never thought i would see capcom mention rival schools at all like ever again you know i don't think any of us did that was such a cool surprise the alliteration sells itself Chrono Compendium, Chrono Chronicles. Yeah. There's so many easy ways you could sell this as a all-in-one pack to get people re-energized about the Chrono series again. You know, Square Enix, like, obviously showing love to, like, the Mana series. Uh, now they're apparently showing love for Live a Live of all of all games. Um, saga Frontier, or the Saga series in general, Romantic the saga, saga, saga. They've, re- they've re-released those. That's um, right. You know, That's on right. various platforms. So it's the time does seem right for them to revisit some other old you know some other underused ips like chrono i personally would love to see them bring parasite eve back in some way that has Mm. nothing to do with the third birthday um but i'd love (laughs) to see them bring that series back you know they even did a they even recently did a they commissioned a new uh play arts kai figure i think for xenogears xenogears like Where's Chrono in all this? <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, the Chrono series d- definitely feels like it's being lost in the shuffle with all this happening. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, especially with this year being the 25th anniversary, we will hear something that's Chrono Trigger related and not just be like, I don't know, another compilation of soundtrack CDs or whatever it may be. God, um, I hope so. We need like proper game releases that celebrates this franchise and gives the fans, and there are a number of fans out there because you know, you know, I'm not sure if Square Enix realizes this, but Chrono Trigger constantly tops like lists for you know for favorite you know for best games of all time. Like you know, it, it's constantly like in that like top ten list every time I see it. Like especially for like SNES games, but certainly for like RPG games in general. And right. You know, for like a lot of people, you and I especially, I mean, like it is our favorite game of all time. And just, you know, it's because of a number of reasons with the music, the characters, the storylines, like all the different endings. Um, you know, I, you know, I guess we should end on this as well, since we are like starting to run run on time here. But um, what is your all time favorite ending in Chrono Trigger? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty, pretty traditional when it comes to my first playthroughs of games. I never change the names of characters. I really like my, you know, my canonical stuff. So, I mean, I have to say the... The, the main ending, uh, you know, the main canonical ending, mm-hmm. really, however however you play it out, there are a few different ways it can play out. But I think the main canonical ending with Chrono having been revived is my favorite ending uh, because you get that amazing scene on top of Death Peak where Marley throws herself around his neck and you really feel how much she, she you know, missed him and how much she she couldn't deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, 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 the connection between them and... Uh, and then you you get of course everyone going their separate ways that that just you can't help but just 
get really emotional moment where they're all in, you know, meeting together at the, the millennial fair and stepping through the time gate to go back to their respective eras. You see Robo uh, sitting with Atropos on the cliff and you see Magus. It's all just so, it's all so good. So mm-hmm. for me, it has to be, you know, it's the boring answer, maybe the safe answer, <laughs> but it has to be the canonical ending with Chrono uh, having been revived. And especially too with uh, with Chrono's mom going through like the time portals, it's like, uh oh, here we exactly. go again. And there's, and there's that there's that humor in there too. It injects a bit of humor. Uh, plus, and, but I will say, honorable mention goes to the slideshow ending just because it actually has Chrono speak, and mm, I, that's a right. really cool little Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it has to be uh, if you let the reptites win, basically. So uh-huh. if you beat Lavos right before being like the reptites, uh, basically it makes it so that everyone turns into reptites, and the reptites basically are like the, the dominant race. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is a really, really cool ending. And I remember my like, first time getting that ending. Um, I think I did it by accident, too, because I was just kind of like testing out, like, oh, what if I beat Lavos here? What if I beat Lavos here? And like, well, yeah. you know, just kind of, you know, testing it out on New Game Plus. And uh, that threw me for a loop. I'm like, everyone's a reptite. It's crazy. Right? <laughs> Special shout out, though, to the developer ending or the developer room ending, because that back mm. in the day, not you know, not only did Chrono Trigger pioneer the idea of New Game Plus, but they pioneered the idea of the developer room ending. And that was a really, really cool. I guess FF4 kind of did that, but it wasn't in it. Yeah. FF4 kind of had a hidden area that was a bit like that. But that was such a cool thing to be able to even explore, and I really I enjoyed that. And I am Satsuna kind of uh, pulled the same thing too as well. Like the was it like the island or whatever that you can go to before you go to the final dungeon. It's just like okay, you're clearly you know really. Oh, that's cool. The I actually didn't know that because I I was so kind of just disappointed by it. I never yeah. finished it. But that's so cool. Okay, maybe I need yeah. to go back and check that out. Totally, totally. Uh, yeah, so uh, that is our Chrono Trigger retrospective there. Happy 25th anniversary to Chrono Trigger. And uh, Ash, thank you very much for speaking with me on this. I wouldn't have asked for anyone else really to talk about oh, Chrono Trigger thank with. You. So, absolutely. Well, that means a lot. And I, have, I, am, I of course, am always happy to be here. I love doing these podcasts with you. And uh, thank you for inviting me back on to talk about our favorite game of all time. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, where can people go in order to find you online? So you can find me on Twitter at my name, which is Ash Paulson. That's A-S-H-P-A-U-L-S-E-N. You can find me on Instagram there, too, but I'm mainly on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow me for all sorts of fun, you know, conversations about video games and video game music, especially dogs, you know, all, all, all the best things in life. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you can find me on Game Explain, uh, the YouTube channel Game Explain, youtube.com slash Game Explain. And uh, if you've not heard of us, we are a uh, video game content channel. We do news, reviews, previews features uh we are nintendo centric but we have recently branched out to really do a lot more coverage on of all platforms um even though we do retain a nintendo focus so if you were into games particularly nintendo stuff uh check us out and you can find our cast on twitter at our podcast anything on facebook facebook.com slash our podcast and you can find me on twitter and instagram at the guilty man and yeah that is episode 213 in the books and until next time keep it retro
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.